Audio Chimera, a subversive podcast taking refuge in the sanctuary of allegory about the fragility of memory. Here's to absent friends. Making friends is hard for some people. But when we do find close, special friends, we should try to hold on to them as long as we can. Not with stalking, though. (laughs) But when we can't get together on a regular basis, we use Christmas cards, birthday emails, concerned texts. In this time of internet communication, we should be able to stay connected with our friends so easily. And yet, I've lost some friends over the years, which is a source of some sorrow for me. An interesting thing about this, of course, is that we can often become close friends with people we've never met. I first encountered Debbie back in the 90s in an online chat room called Banana Chat. We've kept in touch ever since, but we've never met in person. I would still consider her a fairly close friend, in spite of never having been in the same physical room with her. My favorite friendship story is not my own, though I served as a catalyst. A friend group emerged from a show I directed. Two actors, a musician, and two tech people bonded during that production of Joe Orton's What the Butler Saw. Years later, one of them asked me to call him during the holidays, and when I did, he handed the phone to others. They were still getting together years later and are still friends even now. More details on them are available in a post on my blog. At the same time, I've lost touch with some childhood and adult friends. Regrettably, they did not embrace the Internet as much as I did, and so many people from my past are just out of reach. Quick and random Google searches do not allow me to locate their current whereabouts. But as the android Rock says in Star Trek, the original series episode, What Are Little Girls Made Of? They are still in my memory banks. The first friend I want to talk about is Martin S., In grade school, we bonded over both being picked on and bullied by the other kids, so that brought us together. But in spite of being good friends in grade school, he didn't continue on to the Catholic high school with us, I only have two really strong memories of Martin. The first occurred when we were preparing for the annual Christmas pageant. Each class in my grade school had to sing a song or make some sort of holiday presentation before we went on Christmas break. Our nun had selected a song for us to sing, and we were in the rehearsal room with someone playing the piano, and we, the students, making a valiant attempt to sing the song. At some point, the nun stopped and accused someone of deliberately singing off-key. After a few minutes, she managed to isolate the culprit, Martin, who, as it turns out, was tone-deaf and unable to sing on-key. She then decided that he would stand facing us and wave his arms, index fingers raised as if he was conducting us. For years, I thought that that was rude, but on mature reflection after a long teaching career, I think maybe it was a great way to camouflage his lack of singing ability and still allow him to participate. My other strong memory of Martin occurred at his house. My aunt drove me there so we could have what today they would call a play date. I don't exactly remember what we did during that day, but I do remember his grandmother, who seemed ancient, sitting at the kitchen table and smoking a cigarette. 
It was almost a scene from a horror movie, with a skeletal, almost cadaverous figure inhaling rather than exhaling a foul ichor. I couldn't imagine anyone that old still smoking. I would learn years later that that was a hard habit to break, since my mother, even in the nursing home, still daily craved nicotine. As I said, Martin did not continue on to high school with us, and I lost touch with him immediately. Then in high school, I made a new friend, Dave S. We bonded over our nerdiness and love for chess. This was the time of the Fisher-Spassky chess match, which is perhaps the only time that chess ignited the imagination of a wide variety of people. In school, Dave and I would pass a piece of paper with a diagram of a chessboard back and forth, the board drawn in pen, and the pieces drawn in pencil, so we could erase them and move them to show what our moves were. Another friend was horrified that we were doing this during Mass one day in the auditorium. I often went to Dave's house, and we would hang out and watch TV, I guess. Those memories are lost in the mists of time. I know we'd go to the hobby store that was within walking distance of his house, and we would sit in the living room and drink cans of Coke, and he would pull the tab off the can, toss it behind the couch, and say, They'll never find it. I assume they eventually did when the family moved. Dave was the first of us to get a girlfriend in high school, a girl from a public school. Ooh. Uh, he also got her pregnant, and I attended their wedding the day after our graduation. I also made a film of it for him, and it may still be in his possession, although who knows after all this time. About a week after the wedding, he went off to join the Air Force, and I saw him when he was packing up for a far western state. I wrote some letters to him, but never heard anything back. I guess his security clearance was too high. He never attended any of the reunions that I did, so again, another lost friend. In fact, I lost track of several of my friends from that friend group. I recruited them to make a film called Duel in the Park on Super 8 silent film, which I had converted to a VHS tape, then I later digitized. It's on my YouTube channel, Stephen Shrum. I added new music to it, so it's a digitally remastered. As a result of that, I did hear from another of my friends from high school, Jason, but our correspondence only lasted a few emails. When I first got to college, I was a speech communication major. And at first, in classes with the other majors, I was acquainted with a lot of different people, but I had no real friends. And then in my second semester, I met Ed. At first, I thought he was a bit of a braggart since he drove a Porsche and was always talking about the house he owned. He decided to throw a party one night and invited a bunch of us, and I went along because, hey, I'll drink free beer. And at some point, he pulled out a guitar and played Jimi Hendrix's Star Spangled Banner. And I was surprised. I saw a whole new facet of him in that moment. After that, we became very good friends and worked on so many projects together. In fact, one semester we worked on so many things that we had to take a break. We actually got a little sick of each other doing radio shows and plays and video projects. Eventually, we began talking again. A few years later, I was an usher at his wedding, and we always kept in contact. When I came back from Berkeley, he tried to give me a job at the company where he was working. I was a consultant looking at making videos for the company. 
Eventually, however, after 30 years of friendship, he stopped returning my calls, did not respond to emails or even to the items I mailed him. CDs and DVDs of past projects, for example. I have kept in touch with his ex-wife, so you could say she got me in their divorce. And I hear a little bit about what he's up to from her from time to time. But again, another lost friend. When I consider it, I actually have a vast network of friends. They range from grad school colleagues at Ohio State and Berkeley, colleagues at institutions where I've worked, and others, including former students encountered along the way whom I've lately decided to stop calling former students and refer to them instead as friends. Some in my network I only keep in touch with through social media, and others text or email with relative frequency. But for all the friends that I do have, I still lament those absent friends with whom I've lost touch. Anything you want to hear more about from this podcast, I can elaborate. You can get in touch with me several ways. Join my Facebook group, Audio Chimera. Message me on WhatsApp. The number is available on the Facebook group. Leave me a voice message at 724-835-4074. Check out my website and blog at musifier.org. That's M-U-S-O-F-Y-R.org. And finally, check out my Linktree for everything at Linktree, that's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash Stephen Shrum. Oh yes, that's Stephen with a P-H-S-C-H-R-U-M. Intro and outro music composed by John Rust. Check out Sound of Rust, that's one word, on YouTube. This is Stephen Shrum. Thanks for listening to Audio Chimera.